0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you, No Spin Homilies. For the past several weeks, we have been reading from John's Gospel. And from the stories that we've been listening to, they all point to one thing, Jesus' identity, as well as his mission. Last week, we had the woman at the well. This week, it's the man born blind. Now notice how this story begins. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind by birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God may be made visible through him. Well, the apostles believe that this man's blindness is due to someone's actions. Now, this was a very common thought, very common belief in the ancient world. People believed illness, physical, emotional, or economic hardships were the result of an offense against God. Whatever suffering you had in your life, it was directly related to your sinfulness. Great example of this is the story of Job. Job cannot understand why he's suffering so much because he is a faithful and righteous man. Therefore, suffering was thought to be God's retribution. You did something against God, and so God is retaliating against you with your suffering. See, now we begin to understand why the apostles asked this question. But take it to a spiritual level. What does sin really do? Well, it weakens the will, but it also clouds the mind, to the extent that we are not able to see things as they are. We cannot see you know, with great spiritual clarity, the truth, or even the presence of Christ in our life. Now, you see this up and down sacred scripture. Go into Mark's gospel. We have the classic story of blind Bartimaeus, and he sits at the gates of Jericho. Jericho, for centuries, was notoriously known as Sin City. And yet, here we have blind Bartimaeus sitting right next to the city of Jericho, Sin City. So, what's the implication for us? Well, we can identify with this man in the gospel immediately. Through original sin, we were all born blind, spiritually speaking, which is why we needed baptism. Baptism was the great sacrament that washed away that original sin and opened our eyes so that we have visual clarity in the spiritual life to see the presence of God in our life. St. John Chrysostom once said, To be holy is to see the world through the eyes of God. Well, how does God see the world? With everything connected to God, everything is rooted in God. And see, that's the key, to live our lives out of that great vision, that we are all connected to Jesus Christ. We are rooted in him, grounded. From the moment of our baptism, we began to share in a life with Jesus Christ. And therefore, our eyes were wide open to see that. But what does sin do? Well, it clouds that perspective. Such that what? We don't really see the presence of God in our life or in this world. Therefore, we're apt to follow our own will. We do what we want, when we want it, how we want it, regardless of whether or not it is aligned to the will of God. See, that's real spiritual blindness. And yet, what is Jesus going to do? Well, first, he's going to correct the man's vision. He's going to restore his physical sight. But later in the story, and more importantly, Jesus is going to give this man spiritual clarity, spiritual vision. Now, notice how Jesus answers his apostles when they ask him this question. Jesus says, Neither he nor his parents have sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. Well, he's telling us, Jesus is going to make this blind man an instrument of God's grace for the apostles and for us to learn about Christ. Next in the story, Jesus says to the apostles, I am the light of the world. Now, if you look at John's gospel, Jesus is always making these I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. You are the branches. Well, now he says, I am the light of the world. What's the implication? If we truly want to draw closer to Christ, we have to allow that light to enter into our life. It illuminates our life, and now we are able to see with great spiritual clarity the presence of God, yes, in the world, but more importantly, in our life, so that what? Now we align our will to the will of God, such that whatever we say or do in the course of a given day is exactly what Christ would say and do. Paul sums it up the best in Corinthians, in which he says, It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Christ and the light of Christ has shone into Paul's life, and now he's no longer the same person. He's different. He's better. Now, next in the story, it says that Jesus approaches this man, he spits on the ground, and he makes a salve from the clay. St. Augustine said, the spit symbolizes Jesus' divinity, his divine creative power. The clay, or the earth, symbolizes Jesus' humanity, What does this mean for us? Well, Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, he is the salve that heals our sin-sickened eyes so that we can now see with great spiritual clarity the presence of God in our life and then act upon it. Now, stay with that salve. Jesus forms the salve out of the dust of the earth. You know, he's using his creative power. Well, where else do we see in scripture God's creative power? How about Genesis chapter 2? God forms man out of clay and then he breathes into his nostrils, and suddenly humanity comes to life. Well, the Hebrew word for clay is Adama, and the Hebrew word for man is Adam. So God breathes into Adama, and suddenly Adam springs to life. Well, God is the creator of all things, and God creates out of nothingness, and therefore, Jesus, you could say, is going to finish the work of creation. He's going to restore this man's eyesight. And see, this is the key for us to understand the gospel passage for this weekend. Christ looks into our lives and he sees how sin has left us spiritually blinded. Therefore, only through Christ and only through Christ's creative power can our spiritual vision be restored. We give Jesus many titles. One of the titles that we give him is of healer. Well, the Greek word for healer is sartire, for Latin is salvatore, which means bearer of health. See, that's where we get that word salve from, salvatore, which basically means the medicine of health. Well, that's what Jesus is for each and every one of us. Now, he spreads it on the man's eyes, and then he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. As I mentioned last week, in John's gospel, it's very rich in symbolism. No detail should ever be left unattended to. So it begs the question, why? Why does he make this man go wash in the pool? Well, it's symbolic of our own baptism. Just like this man washed in the pool and suddenly he regained his sight. Well, we washed ourselves in a pool. In this case, it was our baptism. And what happened? We were washed clean from the stain of original sin. Our eyes became wide open and we saw with great spiritual, visual clarity, the presence of God in our life, such that at the moment of our baptism, we began to share in a life with Christ. That's why I always say baptism is the second greatest event in our life, because what it does for us. Now we seek with great clarity the life that we share with Christ. Therefore, we align our will with God. Now, it begs the question, how do we learn to seek? How do we learn to see the world through God's eyes? Well, through the church. It first, start it with our baptism, as Paul says in Galatians. At the moment of our baptism, we are grafted on to the body of Christ, which is the church, where Christ is the head. Furthermore, it is the church that continues to help us see with greater visual clarity, primarily through the sacraments, especially the Eucharist. Every time we gather for Mass. We see with great clarity the presence of God, his body, and his blood in the Eucharist. That's why we take it in. And now we have a greater presence of Christ in us. Now, the story appears to be over with, but on the contrary, it's only now begins to heat up. You see frequently in all four of the gospels, when Jesus does something great, when he performs miracles to help people, the reaction is always mixed. Some people are amazed and grateful. Other people become upset and angry. Well, that's exactly what happens to these Pharisees. They try within their power to undermine this miracle. The first thing that they do is they interrogate this man. And they say, this man is truly not the blind man. That instead, the blind man is still running around out there. Therefore, this man is an imposter. Well, this man says, no, I truly am that person. They even question his parents. And the parents say, yes, yes. He was born blind, and now he can see. Well, next, the Pharisees, they try a legal trick. They realize that Jesus performed this miracle on the Sabbath, which is against the Mosaic law. So they conclude that he doesn't follow the Mosaic law, therefore he doesn't follow the teachings of God. So if he did cure this man, then he did it through some dark powers or diabolical powers. Notice the man's reaction. He says, simply, I know that I was born blind, and this man allowed me to see. It's a simple statement of fact that Jesus performed the miracle. What are the Pharisees really doing? Everything within their power to deny Jesus miracle. So it begs the question of why? Why would they do that? Because if they validated this miracle, then they would have to validate who Jesus is, the Son of God. And they don't want to do that. They don't want to believe who Jesus is. Why? Because now they would have to change. Now they would have to see themselves and who they are. And they don't want to see that. They want to continue to see the world according to how they wish to see the world, according to their needs and wants, you know, doing things according to their own will, maybe not the will of God. And so what do they do next? They throw this man out of the synagogue. The symbolism here, it's an outright rejection, of not just the miracle, but of Christ himself. Now, this is important at the end. Jesus finds out what they did, that they threw him out of the synagogue, and he goes to search for this man. He approaches him and he says, do you truly believe that I am the son of God? Now, at the very beginning of the story, Jesus restored the man's sight. Well, now he's going to restore this man's faith. Now, the man says, yes, I truly believe in who you are. And then after that, it says he worshiped Jesus. Well, that's beautiful. That's exactly what we do. From the moment of our baptism, our eyes were opened up to see the life that we share with Christ. And through the Eucharist, now we recognize the true presence of Christ in our life, as well as Christ in this world. And therefore, we align our will according to God. And every time we come to Mass, we reaffirm our belief in Jesus Christ. And then we give him right worship at Mass. Who really is blind in this story? Well, the Pharisees aren't, aren't they? They fail to see who Christ is because they don't want to see. They don't want to change their life or align their will according to Christ. But we can't. We must always have that visual clarity. That's where the Eucharist comes in. It continues to help us, help us to always see the presence of God in our life. And then we come to recommit ourselves and our belief in Jesus. And then we're compelled to give Christ right worship, just like the man did. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.